Hello, feeble-minded humans, and welcome to Set Podcast to Stun, the podcast where we explore, explain, and enjoy the Star Trek franchise. I'm Clint the Q, joined by Chancellor Emily Gowron and Admiral Corey. How's it going, guys? Hey, Clint. Wait a second. There's something. Uh, there's something that's appearing on my scanners here. Uh, wait a second. Attack it. It looks like some sort of new segment. That's right, everybody. It's Shat Chat, that uh, time-honored uh, segment that we've done twice, where we look at William Shatner's Twitter about five minutes before we record and see if he's saying anything great. And boy, guys, this time we've got some real doozies. I'd like you to go ahead and pull up his Twitter right now and guide you through some of the things that this noble sage of our time has been saying. All right, I'm up. And we will, we, Clint, you're going to retweet this on uh, our Twitter, right? Do you want to yeah. tell the gentle listeners what our twitter handle is yes our twitter handle is at spt stun okay the first story that i want to share with you if you guys can just scroll down the page a little bit to 20 hours ago you might notice that that's about 20 tweets to go down but you'll get there eventually <laughs> god this man is such a wonderful treasure william devry uh posted a picture of himself shirtless now william devry is a canadian actor who has been in a lot of soap operas and he was in General Hospital. The man is aging incredibly well. He posted a shirtless picture of himself. He has a great torso. <laughs> in his tweet, he says, knocked, off some, knocked some cobwebs off today with a good workout. And yes, I brushed my teeth before I took this picture. And William Shatner responded, hmm, brushed his teeth for a selfie that doesn't show teeth? And I would like to imagine that William Shatner does not know William DeVry at all. And he has just decided to jump into this guy's business. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think that that's uh, pretty funny. With, uh, with four emojis, two on either side. Uh, the thing, though, is that, like, I was exactly thinking the same thing. Because I was reading the guy's tweet. And he says, I brush my teeth. I'm like, yeah, but you're not smiling. So I think William Shatner is just really saying what we're all thinking on his Twitter. Yeah. The uh, the second one that I wanted to share was a little bit of Shatner drama that's going on right now. Um, if we scroll up a little bit, people are kind of upset because uh, we know that he doesn't appear on podcasts. I think he appeared on Mike Tyson's pod podcast recently, though, and some people are kind of mad that he did that um, when he won't do other people's podcasts. But apparently he's a close friend with Mike Tyson, so that's why he did it. Um, he has some rules, though, about how he does podcasts or any kind of interview. He says, I give national media outlets 20 minutes max for an interview. Podcasts ask for a minute for a minimum of 30 minutes. Um, what am I going to talk about for 30 minutes to an hour? If I had that much time, I'd do my own. I kind of love that. <laughs> He's just like, I'm not talking about bullshit for 30 minutes. But people are upset because he uh, he ha he produces and um, hosts a show on the History Channel. You'll see it at the top of his Twitter page there, The Unexplained. Mm. And I definitely recommend that you check out a trailer to The Unexplained because it is it is like, uh, I don't know, like Unsolved Mysteries where William Shatner just guides us through all things uh, creepy and, and, and dark and mysterious in human history. Yay! Now, I mean, I'm... I love William Shatner. He's no uh, Robert Stack, but I would watch that show. Apparently, this show has, let's go ahead and call it pseudoscience. We'll talk about <laughs> things like ancient aliens. No. The most recent 
um, episode, which kind of created the drama here, is the episode talks about like human beings have built uh, uh, the pyramids and cathedrals, but what they all kind of look the same across the world. Does that mean that there's some kind of like pre-programming in us? Are we just like kind of realizing God's design that's been put inside of us? So people are a little upset about about him kind of promoting that kind of stuff. I like he has a pin tweet that starts off to boldly go into Brexit sales. And then he's announcing that the William Shatner store is having sales. I would love for you all to go ahead and click on the WilliamShatnerStore.com and join me there. And we can peruse what kind of uh, merchandise you can purchase from uh, William Shatner. TJ Hooker. Okay, well. I forgot. He played a police, he played a police officer. I'm going to click on the Trek part. Star Trek. I'm surprised he has some Picard merch. That's like one of the first things up there. He's selling like um, Star Trek figurines. It's like it's like an eBay. What? This is so weird. The website looks like it's from uh, 2002. Yeah, it's there's some stuff colliding. Oh my god, the faces of Kirk poster. <sighs> they have a, a 1996 Playmates 30th anniversary figure of Janice Rand. It's only 12 bucks. I'm totally gonna get this. Are you really? Wait, what is it? <laughs> it's a Janice Rand action figure. Yes. Get it, Clint. There is, at, at the bottom of his store there, he is selling off Mr. Shatner's own Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame Award from 2005 for what? $1,900. Ooh. <laughs> Looks like he's doing a little bit of spring cleaning right now. Wait, maybe someone already bought this figure. It doesn't, I, it doesn't seem like I can pay for it it's, or I can buy it at all. I don't know how I feel about this because, like, what I wanted it, what I thought it would be would be like t-shirts with his face on it and like koozies and like all kinds of weird stuff. You know, a red bubbles shop that's just covered in William Shatner, which would have been delightful. But instead it's like random merch. This is like a, this is like a junk thrift store. There's like action figures and yes. uh, like a tie DVDs. when he was TJ Hooker. Yeah. I feel like this is just him like, like he had a garage full of merch that he's accumulated over the years, and now is just like he's like I don't want any garage of this. sale. Yeah, but like the thing that's weird is like the tie. I like it's it doesn't is this the one he actually wore? Oh, it is. Okay. No, I, oh, it it is. Yeah. It's only like a couple bucks. Yeah, it says the tie comes with the original Boston legal wardrobe tag. It's only $25. The, the actual tie. He, I thought it would just be like, this tie matches the tie. Huh. So weird. Items for a penny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm looking at that. that right now too, and I don't understand. There's like earrings weird. from Batman Forever. Was he even in that? Was he in? Was he? I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Need to just okay. find some weird thing to click through on the internet. You should come here. There's a Grand Nagus Zek action figure. So I can I can shed some light on the Batman Forever jewelry. On June 21st, 2020, William Shatner tweeted, free Batman Forever jewelry in my store. Just pay postage. Postage. Why Batman? <laughs> because. Besides, don't look free stuff in the mouth or whatever they say. Emoji, emoji. <laughs> what? Why does he have this? <laughs> <laughs> because. Also, he has, uh, there's a section called Tech World where he has like all the books he's written. And I forgot that he'd done that. He's written a lot of TOS books. 
Oh my god, there's a 16th century garb cue in here, and he's got spears and swords and stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh, my, oh and, from TNG. And, yeah, and he's got real fencing action, too. Oh my gosh. Oh this is... So anyway, there's some great stuff. weird. <laughs> Alright, guys. Yeah, so we're not making any money off of this, but check out the chat store. Go get your free Batman Forever earrings. Just pay postage. Yeah, WilliamShatnerStore.com. Okay. All right. Well, that was a great trip through um, William Shatner's garage. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So let's get into today's episode titled Shore Leave. Um, In this episode, a beleaguered Enterprise crew is checking out a newly undiscovered planet looking for, you know, some shore leave. Everyone's super tired. Yeah. so when we're down there, um, Sulu and Dr. McCoy, they start seeing these like random like hallucinations or, or beings and, and stuff. So so yeah, we're uh, we're down on the planet and we're just trying to figure out like what the heck's going on. What'd you guys think of this episode? Um, Corey, what'd you think of did you like this episode or not? Yeah, I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. What about you, Emily? Oh, man, I wanted to like it. I thought the premise was interesting, but everyone was so stupid. And it was just one of those episodes where, like, I don't know if there's too many cooks in the kitchen or what, but, like, it all just falls apart and gets crazy in a non-fun way. So I started off with delight, and then that slowly took a nosedive, and I hated it. Um, well, I liked the episode, uh, so I knew I you love would. It. I we, knew yeah, it. Yeah, we disagree. So let's get into it. I just have to talk about the first the opening, right? This is another typical opening with Kirk on the crew, and to show that everyone's tired, Kirk is like, "Oh, my back is so sore," and his new yeoman. It seems like kind of like a redheaded chick, but she's like starts massaging his back and he's like, oh, yeah, that's good. And he's like, oh, lower, get really dig in there, Mr. Spock. And then Spock, like he thinks he's basically Kirk thinks he's getting a back rub from Spock, but it's really his yeoman. Yeah. And he gets like really uncomfortable about it. But I just cracked up. I thought that was super funny. I don't know. A lot of weird subtext there. I thought I thought that was hilarious, too. The opening (laughs) was so good. And it's like, oh, Spock, oh, your hands are so delicate yet strong. Oh, really working those those knots out of my back. And then when he knows he finds out it's the yeoman, he gets all like uncomfortable. He's like, why this is inappropriate. <laughs> but yeah, he he was really into it when he thought it was Spock giving him the back rub. He may. What if whenever Kirk says that he has a boner for the ship, that's his code name for Spock. <laughs> Or or maybe dre- uh, Spock dresses up like a ship for him in their off hours. Oh, Mr. Spock, you know exactly what I like. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering why um, they were all so tired, because the I guess the last episode was Balance of Terror when they were getting chased, or they were chasing the Romulans, and they were kind of playing cat and mouse. Yeah, what's stressful about that? <laughs> but even, even before that, there was also a an episode i forgot which one it was where like kirk was really on edge and he was kind of being like a, a jerk to the crew and he's like we need to be ready at all times and they were you know mccoy's uh, like you're wearing the crew out the one with the cube and the tranya that's right the tranya. and so i i was just wondering like what kind of what the writers were going for because i don't think 
there was a specific event that made everybody so tired and worn out. I think it's more like this mission, because this is supposed to be like a three-year mission, that's just starting to get to the crew. And I think they're slowly trying to simulate that. I was comparing this to the episode. You remember the episode Brothers? Have you seen it, um, Emily and Clint? Brothers and Family? I think that would be from TNG. It's right after the Borg episode where where Picard becomes the Borg. And then the next episode is him just going back to France and just kind of yes. dealing with his trauma. I have yes. seen that Yes, okay. One. Yeah, yeah, I know. What you're, I thought you were talking about the one with Data. Yeah, oh. I was too. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's called Brothers then. Um, yeah. But like that was an episode that was like a direct response to the previous episode where there had been something very serious going on anyway i I feel like it's not so much um like the last episode wore them out i feel like they want to Mm -hmm. simulate that this mission is starting to kind of wear down on everybody yeah i like that actually i thought it like so far it's been pretty serial like every week is a restart and i think that was a nice bit of continuity to be like whoa we have really had a lot of adventures i am bushed yeah i mean you get this sort of episode every once in a while where it's like oh the crew's tired the captain's tired he always doesn't want to take shore leave but he thinks everyone else should i love the part two where spock pulls a a classic star trek move where (laughs) they're like we have a crew member who's underperforming and he's tired and irritable it's like but he doesn't he refuses shore leave and they're always like he has no right to refuse surely blah 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 and then it's like well it's you captain and the captain's like oh no i've been hoisted by my own petard i guess i have to go on shore leave now troy and picard had that same exact discussion in an episode of tng like i swear the same exact thing happened yep i think they do it's when uh when they send picard to risa and then he does like the indiana jones episode with that gal great episode Uh one of the best i i I genuinely (laughs) love that one (laughs) oh it's a vash that's her name yes vash i i remember it because it's the same character as in trigun the anime so that's snurred out there for a little second but yeah so like spock doesn't want to go down to this planet where they're going to have their shore leave because he says that he's already pretty rested and that's not what his species do and i do like that that's just like i'm just gonna hang out up on the ship you humans go get go go do a couple wrap laps around the pool or something like that get all your energy out go blow off some steam kids it's an interesting observation on humans i was listening to npr a few weeks ago and on fresh air they had a guy who was talking about how it's weird he's talking about exercise and how it's weird that we get to a point where humans now have to go out and exercise Mm -hmm. you know we used to just labor all day but like, you know, humans are very energy intensive and we do like our reproduction is very energy intensive and the way we live is more energy intensive than other species. So it's interesting for him to bring up that about how much energy humans waste. It reminds me there's um, this cartoonist online called Jake's Jake Likes Onions and he has this really funny one where there's like a, a human, a dude running and there's a wolf. And he, the wolf is looking at him. He's like, what are you doing? And a bear pops in and he's like, what is that apex predator doing? And they're like, I don't know. Slow down. Save your calories. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I also think, you know, to, to be serious for a moment, I think that we wouldn't see this exact same thing play out or maybe we shouldn't because we could also read it as Spock doesn't really have emotions. And so he doesn't have an emotional impact on his body the way that humans do, right? Like humans need to decompress Mm. because 
your mental state will connect to your body and you you're feeling emotionally drained and that can impact your energy level i guess well that's a good insight i think there'd be a lot of disadvantages to having a human on a ship because they are they're just because there's like a you know the whole thing in star trek where humans are just the most average species they don't have like they're not angry all the time like a klingon or timid all the time like a Balerian or or whatever it is they're they're pretty even killed but there are some things about humans that i think are going to be very quirky like the need for play like the fact that they would mm-hmm. need to go down to a planet to 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 decompress like you said um and i think that that might be like a like yeah humans are they're 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 born and they need to be taken care of for like 10 years before they can be even remotely <laughs> independent and they spend most of that time just playing and living in an imaginary world and then they have to continue doing that as an adult what an inefficient species they do that a little bit in TNG sometimes when there are species that come and they're like, we don't eat that. But I wish they'd do that more of like, oh, we only sleep two hours a night or, you know, we photosynthesize. Uh, there's there's a great internet thread a while ago of like, what if humans are this, the apex predators of the universe? You know, it's like, oh my God, humans, they have rows of teeth and they fall out as a child and they get new bigger teeth and like (laughs) humans could pursue because like humans are pursuit predators so Mm -hmm. like the scary thing about humans if you're like a you know an ambush a cow yeah but humans will track you down right you'll try to get away from humans but then they'll find you so we're kind of like the terminators of our planet here so like what if humans are like oh my god they only have to sleep for eight hours you know (laughs) or like they match they can eat plants and animals like humans are the garbage disposals of the universe so we see a lot like in fiction where like humans are like the weakest of the aliens but it's nice to be see like some like aliens that are like not as physically good as us you know and then stuff above us so it'd be nice to see more of a spectrum but whenever we see that like humans are on the lower end of it there's a series there are three books and they're it's set in the same universe but the first one is called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, and the author is Becky Chambers, and they're very Star Trek-y. They're written really well, but there's a lot of world building and a lot of like very different aliens, and humans really are in the middle. There's like one species that they're like, the way they introduce them is like, you know, everything is super subjective. But basically everybody agrees that the LU ones are beautiful. <laughs> and there's, but that's kind of exactly what you're arguing for. Like there are some species that are definitely weaker than humans and some that are definitely stronger. If I, if I recall what you're talking about, Clint, that uh, humans, like our superpower, if we had one, is that we have uh, thumbs, you know, we have hands where we can manipulate the environment um, with mm-hmm. these things that stick out of our bodies. Um, and also just the, the, the running stamina right? Like that we sweat while we run, we're able to drink water mm-hmm. while we run. And like a well-conditioned human could chase a, a wildebeest or a, a woolly mammoth, you know, for hours and hours and hours until it gets tired. And, and then that's when we strike. And I think like we always play off that like humans in, in Star Trek, human special abilities that they're, they're crafty and clever and they're able to adapt to situations really fast. And but, compassionate. And compassionate, right? Yeah. Like they enjoy the humanities and all that. But I, I kind of like the idea of like, the the human superpower of just never being able to stop running you know if you're in good condition <laughs> like that up, being right? the, yeah like yeah. we got to get these klingons all right let's just chase them and it's just like a nine hour like running chase scene and <laughs> they get tired and then we get out some spears and just like you know lance them <laughs> humans so all that to say i don't know how we got to this point i don't either but, uh, oh we this, were talking, we're talking about, about play. spock 
Yeah, but also Spock was was throwing shade at humans for wasting energy. So anyway, that was more serious than anything in this episode. I know. My favorite part of this episode, though, and I think this kind of helps us move along, is what I think like someone's talking about, like, oh, this is a beautiful and peaceful planet. It's just the most peaceful planet you will ever see. And then it goes onto the planet and there's a rock and the rock has like a hinge on it. And then the rock lifts up and there's a gun under the rock. And it's just... Fuck, get down, there's a gun. I know, it's like, watch out, that planet has a gun. Like... The planet is aiming at us with an antique pistol. Um, And it's just aiming up at the Enterprise and just trying to shoot it. Get out of my... Get out of my backyard. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I, I do let's let's just set up real quick like what kind of like what the what the main beats are of this episode. Um it's pretty yeah. simple. They want to oh go on shore God. leave. Every everybody's tired, including Kirk. Um they send down an initial crew to just survey the planet. I thought it was a little irresponsible for them to just pick a random planet and just go shore leave down on it. It's like the same as like a sailor in the 16th century, like, oh hey, there's an island. Let's send everybody there and just <laughs> you know, throw our Snickers wrappers on the ground there for a week and then get the fuck out of there. Well, they were surveying it. I think they were checking it out to see if it was good for right, colonization. Bones, yeah. Bones and Sulu go down and they're on kind of like a little date walking around and talking about how great it is and like surveying to make sure it's safe to send the rest of the crew down. Uh, and then what happens, Emily? Uh, and then Bones says just the fucking weirdest thing that I don't know why you would ever say this. He says wow, this is so beautiful and lovely. It's like something from Alice in Wonderland. What? That's and then what happens, Emily? Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, and then a rabbit runs by, and then Alice runs by, and he's just like, what? It's horrifying looking. So it turns out it's like a wish-granting planet, but sometimes they say things out loud. Sometimes they're just talking about something, not wishing for something, it appears. Sometimes they just think it, and it... All of the characters are so stupid and never figure it out. And then even when they do figure it out, they're just kind of like, oh, well, like. It it was weird, I think, too. Yeah. The weird thing about this is that they think about something and then the planet makes it right. And that thing shows up and then they're always like, what is this thing doing here? And no one ever connects that like they were just thinking about something and that thing appears and then they're they like none of it, it takes them an hour to figure out that when they think about something it appears right and no one no one ever connects that i right emily that's what you're yeah this is what drove me nuts about it is that yeah nobody ever connected it and then there's like a part with i think it's the yeoman and mccoy or yeah it is where they're like this is what happens on this planet and then the next scene they're acting like they didn't just figure it out <laughs> Okay, so uh, the entire episode is basically there. It's it's because Kirk says after he sees that there's some weird stuff going on when McCoy tells him about this rabbit that he saw, he says no one come out, no one else come down here. Um, we're gonna try and figure out what's going on. So it's just who is it? It's uh, it's Kirk McCoy, um, Martinez, two randos, Yeoman Barrows, who has taken the place of uh, Yeoman Rand, or Janice Rand. Um, tries and then to. Was, no one was that everybody work. that they brought down? Yeah. Um, it's the two. What is it? There's that like. There's two randos, the yeoman. Oh, and Sulu. Bones. Yeah, Sulu is there. Did you notice the woman who didn't get married last week is on the mm-hmm. planet as well? 
Oh. But she's a different character. She she's is. supposed to be a different character. I didn't recognize that it was the same actress. It's the same actress. They call her a different name. So I was reading about that. Apparently, they didn't figure that out. Because they they don't film these in the order that we watch them. They didn't figure uh -huh. it out that she was already in an episode under a different character's name um, until they had finished filming it. So in the credits, they give her whatever her name was in the episode where she got married. But they definitely call her something different because they're... As far as this episode was confirmed, con concerned, those are two totally different people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because she, I looked it up too, and she has different names in both the episodes, and then they kind of like rejigger it. But I'm like, man, she's taking the death of her fiance well. Yeah, I guess so. She's like flirting with a new guy. I think it happens a lot, right? Where you like get engaged to someone on a on a starship, and then they get killed, or maybe I don't know, turned into a statue by a psychic teen or something, and you just like, you just move on. I don't know, I gotta. Yeah, I got a date again. I mean, you got to get back out there, right? It's, it's yeah. happened to all of us multiple times. We understand. Well, especially in this point in history, you got to have a man or I don't know what will happen to you. But, you know, Mud's women, they were just desperate for men. I know. And like, we saw. They, they'd take whatever they could get. So Give me those minors. E-R, not O-R. So the bulk of the episode... <laughs> the, the bulk of this episode is basically... Everyone that's down on the planet sees weird stuff and they just react to it. And they do that for about 35 minutes until uh, they figure it out. And then the architect of this planet, he's like, hey, welcome. This is my pleasure planet. My job. It's like an amusement park. And then they end up staying on shore leave even longer. Uh, and it's all it's all resolved. It's a very, very um, sugary, sweet uh, comedy episode. So that's the plot. That's that's it. But I was thinking we could just talk about, like, some of the stuff that they experienced out on the planet, because there's some pretty weird shit that happens. Of... Um, getting back to the rabbit, I just want to talk about... So I was thinking, because at the beginning of the episode, we don't... I was thinking it's like, oh my god, you know, this this planet fulfills your fantasies. So I was thinking maybe McCoy's, like, a furry. Oh. He, you know, there's some weight to this, because Bones is real Randy this whole episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should point out that by the end, he has Yeoman Barrow, the, the, the our new Yeoman. Um, they're just like basically holding hands at the end. And it's, yeah. it's so strange. It's really unsettling. Are they like dating before this? Because uh -uh. They, they're kind of like walking through and they're talking about Don Juan. He's like, oh, I'd fight off an army of Don Juans for you. And she's like, oh, do you promise? And then they kind of just, like, look at each other and, like, hold each other's hands. And maybe, like, in the 60s, you know, that was more scandalous or I don't know. Code more, for but them it's just fucking. Like, yeah, it was just, like, just that so, like, puritanical. They just, like, look at each other and then, like, hold hands and then, like, look into each other's eyes. And then it's like, oh, these, two's, these two got sparks. Yeah, that happened. Okay. And then Bones, like, disappears for a little bit and he comes back and he has his arm around two Vegas showgirls and he's like... Well, I'm a red-blooded male. What can you expect? Like it's—he is so horny. You mentioned speaking of horny. You mentioned Don Juan, so that's one of the um, one of the illusions that shows up. We never actually see anything, but holy shit, it is weird. So uh, it we is only so see Yeoman. Creepy. Yeah, like okay, we see Yeoman Barrow. We don't see the scene where Don Juan shows up. We just see the scene after where she's like, "Oh my God, someone help me!" And then someone like finds her and her shoulder is torn like her whole strap of her uh her clothes is just torn off it, she's like don juan came by i did a and yeah. and she's like screaming that's how they go to find her and they find her her shirt is ripped and she's by a tree and the tree is like covered in blood like 
above yeah. her head. And I'm like, what in the actual fuck happened? Okay. Okay. I have, I want to say something about that. The paint, there's like, there's like red paint on rocks and trees. Paint was applied to some of the rocks and trees, which have been doctored with streaks of red spray paint, presumably to make them look more exotic. So that was just a feature they put in this episode to make oh, things look what? like, this isn't earth. Oh my God. That reminds me. <laughs> so they're like, this tree is a weird non-earth tree. Yeah, because. That's okay. I, oh, that makes okay. sense. That was confusing. It reminds me of the line in Austin Powers when they're driving and he says, it's amazing how they're supposed to be in England. And he's like, it's amazing how the countryside of England looks nothing like Southern California because they are so clearly <laughs> in Southern California. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and like with that, there's there's two uh, settings in this episode, and you can tell they just visited two parks in Southern California. One yeah. of the, and they'll just like yeah. transition between them seamlessly. One of them's like a like a city park almost, and then the other one's like the desert. But like people yeah. just like walk between both of them kind of indiscriminately, and I think they just wanted to mix up like the scenery a little yeah. bit. Yeah, isn't that like the famous Star Trek desert too? It looks like, just like the one where they all scenes. are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is totally natural. 15 minutes outside of LA. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, do you know what they call the pieces of clothing that women wear? The like shirt, they call them tunics. She said, and then he ripped my tunic. So I thought it was interesting that they called those tunics. Okay, So back to Don Juan, he is not someone that, like he's a charming person, right? He is not a, someone that would rip a woman's clothing and do whatever. Right? Yeah, he's supposed to like woo her, not rape her. Back in the day of Don Juan's, like, when you woo women, you just, you know, jump them, rip their clothes a little bit, leave them alone, and then go away. And then that's that used to be a romantic gesture. I guess so. I was I was just confused because I thought like Pepe Le Pew was Don Juan, just like like oozing romance and charm, um, and not someone who would like assault a woman. But yeah, no, it's awkward. I think they just had it in there because they needed a little bit of like excitement. So like she needed to be attacked, even if it doesn't make sense for Don Juan to attack her. So yeah. That's, you're right. I think this is a complaint I had that, like, and Kirk is another good example that I'm sure we'll talk about, but, like, I wish that they had gone bigger with this. I wish that they had been hammier and sillier. Like, they come down, and instead of Bones saying something weird about Alice in Wonderland, he's like, this planet is practically perfect. All we need is a hammock and a daiquiri. And then, like, a hammock and a daiquiri appeared. Like, I, I, and then he's like, well, I guess... This is what the planet does is like they figure out that it grants their wishes and they tell everybody to be careful and hijinks still ensue. Like that would have been a cleaner, neater, more just like fun up front instead of this weird like danger situation. I don't know. It's weird. I know. So Someone should have just been like, I wish someone would just show up and explain this all to me. Right? I actually had that thought. Or like, man, like there's a part where Sulu runs and he's like, a samurai is chasing me. One, why were you thinking of a samurai? And two, at any point, wasn't he just like, I wish this samurai wasn't chasing me? <laughs> well, it's not like, it's not wish fulfillment. It's just like things that you're thinking of, like off the top of your head. And then they, because they, it's not like, I wish a tiger was here. It's like, oh, this reminds me of a tiger. And then a tiger shows up. There, There is a tiger. There is there a is samurai. A there is a rabbit a in a costume. There's a World War II fighting jet. There's two, yeah, and, and a Japanese Zero uh, fighter plane. There's a gun. There is a knight in shining armor, which leads to the best scene in the entire 
goddamn Star Trek series. Um, <laughs> let's just talk about that real quick. Okay. Wait. So oh, okay. Oh, I just you didn't even talk about the best like facsimile fantasy. I don't know what to call them because they're real. But the obnoxious Irishman. Oh, oh yeah, the, the the leprechaun. <laughs> no, it's Finnegan. It's who is basically a leprechaun. He, yeah, he is a yeah. human, and but he is also a leprechaun. You know what he reminded me of is he reminded me of the first time we saw the Ferengi. You know when they're all yeah. like phonetic mm-hmm. and like jumping around and stuff. Like that's exactly what he was. <laughs> oh, me back! You broke me back! I can't fight anymore. Oh, carpio yes. pansy! <laughs> Heart tar. So they even had like a Molly Malone um, theme kind of going on in the background whenever his character arrived. But uh, so let's. There's a couple things that we should probably set up here. There is some sort of a plot going on um, while they're trying to figure out everything about what's going on with this planet. Uh, one of Kirk's old school bullies, uh, Finnegan, shows up out of nowhere. And the climax of the episode is with this character. And it's a really not, it's a weird climax. But basically, he just wants to fight Kirk the entire time. Because we find out that one of Kirk's fantasies is to just beat the snot out of this old bully that he had in school. So throughout the episode, as Kirk is trying to investigate this planet, Finnegan will just show up out of nowhere and they'll like punch each other for like a minute and then Finnegan will run away. The climax of the episode is they have, would you guys describe it as a long fight? Because I sure would. The final fight between, yeah, I mean, it is a good like, what, four to five minutes. They are just like, they're just smacking the shit out of each other. And I actually thought that the physics of that fight was kind of good. Like they're on a basically like a rocky hill and they're just like slapping each other, throwing each other down the hill. It was, it was kind of a, uh, an interesting fight, but that was the climax was, was Kirk beating up his old bully. Right. And then the tiger shows up. I thought that would be a bigger deal, but they kind of just run away with it. And then they do, they run the gauntlet. I like the gauntlet of the different fantasies where like they're being chased by the tiger and then the plane shows up and then there's just like the samurai and they're just like, I don't have time for this shit. Like, right. They just like run past him. I think Spock like punches him in the stomach or something trying to get away. Yeah, this is absolutely like if that had like a Scooby-Doo vibe to it. There was so my favorite scene was with the knight. There was a whole medieval plot going on. I feel like we're describing a dream right now that we all collectively had. Uh, (laughs) It's kind of hard to tie this one together narratively. Or an acid trip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So so to set up the night like Yeoman Barrow is just clinging on to McCoy the entire time. And she's like, oh, it's like we're in a fantasy, like medieval kingdom. And he starts like doing some me lady sort of stuff with her. Mm-hmm. And oh they find a costume in the bushes, like an old princess costume, you know, with like the big pyramid hat with the streamers that come off of it. And McCoy's like, you should put that on. And she's like, right here. And he's like, yeah, go for it. So <laughs> she gets out of her uniform while they're on a goddamn survey mission for Starfleet. And she puts on this princess outfit. And then a black knight shows up with uh, Lance and all on a big horse. And McCoy is just standing there. And he's like, it's just an illusion. It's not going to do anything to us. And then he just charges, like jousts at McCoy. And as far as the audience knows, he is dead. He gets stabbed by this Lance and and, and borrows in her princess outfit. And she's screaming. And then everybody shows up. And then the knight comes back. McCoy just stands there and let the guy, like, stab him in the stomach. (laughs) 
so the gun that had been alluded to earlier, the gun that was under the rock, uh, Sulu found it and he was firing off shots just like for target practice. And I like that he said, like, I don't have one of these in my gun collection. And I did like the idea of like Sulu having like a like a giant gun safe with like 400 <laughs> guns. And, you know, this 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 is enough ammo to last the collapse of the Federation if I need it. He's like that Marge meme. I just think they're neat. Yeah. Or I'm just thinking, like, Sulu is, like, the 22nd century equivalent of, like, a doomsdayer, you know? Like, he's, like, spending his off time, like, canning his own peaches that he grew. (laughs) So the Black Knight is charging the, the, the away mission team, and Kirk grabs Sulu's pistol and just aims it at the guy's head and just takes him off the horse. Like, holy shit. I I love that part. I forgot how much I loved it, but that was great when he just fucking ventilated a knight. This is uh it's on the kill count now. It is. Holy we haven't seen a Kirk kill for a while. Yeah. That was a good clean kill though. That and just the last thing on the gun, uh <laughs> I was reading someone there like they should have just they should just make it standard practice for everybody to just have like an antique pistol on them cuz like phasers often like i doubt the board could adapt to a machine gun you know yeah we saw that in... <laughs> i would love to see like the board shows up and they're like our technology is superior and then someone's just unloading a tommy gun in them they're like god damn it not this again <laughs> and that exact scene is in first contact and it does kill them i want to point out <laughs> doesn't he say adapt to this and he shoots him off <laughs> But uh, you were right. I was thinking, like, man, they should bring knives or something, you know, on these away missions because phasers often don't work, and a knife is useful to have anyway. Knife, keys. You just send all the Starfleet captains Leatherman, Clint. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, it would be funny, though, like, because we find out that all the people are, like, manufactured. It's, like, some sort of high-tech. Plant goo. Yeah, it's yeah. just like some sort of ability to manufacture biomaterial. But it would be funny, though, if it was just the whole thing is like, you know, like when you go to a scare house, you know, and there's actors yeah. who who play the zombies or whatever. It'd be funny if at this moment uh, you found out that all these people were actors and, you know, like Kirk just killed one. Then all these like people come in. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, this is our LARPing park. And you just <laughs> shot one of our actors. Yeah, the duex machina is like, yeah, you really did kill him, so we're gonna have to arrest you, actually. But the rest of you guys have a great time. The uh, the behind the scenes on this, I was reading about like Roddenberry was just freaking out the entire time they were filming this. Um, oh, I, I mean, there's so many moving parts. I'm sorry, oh my god! Ahead. Oh my yeah. god! Yes. Uh, on IMDb, it says the episode was being rewritten as it was being shot. Cast members zero recalled- surprise. <laughs> Zero surprise. It is so like nonsensical. Yes. Okay. It, yeah. It. Let, okay. So I'm gonna read this next thing to you, and I want you to imagine in the background there's like a tiger just like walking around, and like you know, like uh, the the grip is trying to chase down the tiger. There's a man in a rabbit costume who is who. By the way, I just want to say with that rabbit guy, 
Uh, it was played by a guy named William Blackburn. He got it from Ice Capades for free. It's like a, it's like a legitimate like Easter Bunny costume. What? And I want to read this. The claustrophobic Blackburn what? had a really painful time wearing it, especially as a costume designer. The, the costume designer had sewn the rabbit head to the suit. After oh, no. nearly suffocating, Blackburn tore the head off, for which the costume designer became very mad at him. So there's a tiger on the loose in the background. There's a man in a rabbit suit just freaking the fuck out. They did buy it or hire an elephant, um, but they just never put it in the script. So there's an uh-huh. elephant in the background. Um, people are just painting the trees red. And uh, there's a samurai who's just like stalking everybody. And there's like, like people are firing guns. So while this is all going on on set, I want you to imagine... Cast members recall Gene Roddenberry sitting under a tree, frantically reworking the script to keep it both under budget and within the realm of believability. So he's just like <laughs> under a tree with like his notebook while <laughs> there's all this shit going on in the background. Well, also, like, did they hire that plane? They had to yeah. have. And the yeah. plane. Yep. Yeah. That's crazy because as I was watching this, I was like, one, this is an crazy expensive episode and two it is terrible they could have not had any of the weird shit that we mentioned and it would have been fine also we forgot in in all of these fantastical crazy things like a world war ii you know japanese zero a tiger a samurai some guy is like hey i I imagined a big flock of birds (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right it was geese it was geese so like on top of all of this like crazy fantastical adventure land some guy's adventure is birds he's like i just really like him oh wow i just think they're neat <laughs> he's he's a birder yeah he's just a birder and he likes going around he's like oh my god i've never seen the species of geese they were supposed to be extinct oh, yeah captain a, a glass of warm water just appeared next to me suddenly <laughs> I'm going to drink it while I watch my geese. Oh my god. Uh, uh, Plain toast? Mm, It would only be better if it was... Oh my god, untoasted toast. (laughs) (laughs) I think probably the most expensive thing, though, were the two two escorts they had to hire at the end of the episode for for McCoy. Because he really fucked him. Yeah. To get into character. Uh-huh, of course. He's a method actor. Anytime you also see him giving medicine or, like, treating a broken bone, he's really doing that as well. He's really getting drunk on the set. Yeah. That's why they call him Bones. <laughs> so, the end of the episode, um, they, like, all stay. Kirk's like, it's cool. It's just like a amusement park. Uh, come on down. And they all spend a couple of days there. And then the the last scene is Spock is sitting on the bridge basically by himself. Uhura is there too, so I don't know if she went down there. But everybody just goes on to the bridge and they all have like this like shit-eating grin and they're just yeah. like all smiling and like they might as well be limping. And I know like, because if this planet just creates anything that's possible, um, you know there is some dark shit going on those three days while oh, the entire yeah. crew is down there. Like there is probably like a giant orgy. Like they are, all, they look kind of guilty when they come back on the bridge. Ohura probably didn't go. She's like, that is some white nonsense, and I have more sense than this. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I am not going down. There was something that kind of bothered me about some like this episode, and it happens sometimes in in science fiction where like yeah, we all know what a knight is, and we all know what 
uh, like this extinct tiger is. I don't need to explain it to you. But if there's any 20th century technology, suddenly it's explained in the most simplistic terms. Like one of the guys is like, I think Sulu is like, it's a pistol. What they did is they used uh, a chemical reaction to shoot <laughs> lead out of this barrel. And like, I'm sure they know what a fucking gun is. You know, I don't need, if, if I saw like a carriage, I wouldn't be like, oh, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's like a box with wheels and it's led by a domesticated animal. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> they did that with a plane. They did, yeah. they were like, they were like these wacky, humans used to have these fun airships called planes. They're funny air vehicles. Yeah. And then they did it with another thing. This is my complaint, I think, earlier when we had the episode where they're doing Shakespeare. I'm like, Shakespeare was old when they made this episode, but in the future, it would be so crazy ancient. It would be like us looking at something from, you know, BC. Like, it, I, I hate that. Like, I feel like they would be, you know, what year is this supposed to be? Like, 2400 or something? I think it's like 21, it's like 2150, I believe. Okay, well, that's a little closer then. But still, I mean, you'd think something from, like, any 1900 era would be, like, cute and quaint to them the way that, like, the Roaring Twenties has a comeback yeah. for us. But anything mm -hmm. from, like, the year 1600, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I vaguely know about that, like, when we have toga things. I'm sorry, so the show is set roughly during the 2260s. The what? The 2260s. Oh, yeah, see? They also do it with amusement park because at the end of the episode, uh, the architect of this planet's like, "Yeah, you could kind of consider it an amusement park." And then Spock's like, "Oh, uh, let me explain that to everybody. An amusement park was an old Earth place where people could go to amuse themselves." And then everyone's like, "Oh, okay, I got it." <laughs> oh my god! Where they would see all sorts of fascinating things. One thing that I thought was funny, just a little bit, although you could also cut this out, Clint, is that that throughout the episode they will have this scene where like Kirk say is walking around in the back and then an antenna comes up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I love the antenna. It was hilarious to see that. That's how this sophisticated race figured out what he wanted was they just held up like some old metal antenna and then somehow like his thoughts trickled down like a TV signal through them. <laughs> It looked like those old TV antennas. I, I haven't seen these like in media for, for years. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking uh -huh. about? The ones that's like... It's like the one that would go on your roof and then... Not the rabbit ears that goes on top of the TV. but There's the like a ton of crossbars on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. But overall, I, don't, I know you didn't like this episode, but I thought it was just hilarious. It was very, very 60s campy. And I just thought there were so many times I don't think I've laughed more during an episode <laughs> but <laughs> not on purpose <laughs> although yeah. i will give you that the opening up until when bones says alice in wonderland is great because it's just why would you describe something idyllic and beautiful to alice in wonderland and then a rabbit ran out and i was like god damn it that's why i just still can't get over the part where it's just like this is a beautiful planet and then just you see it the a, a gun on the ground right <laughs> Also, that Sulu, a military personnel, would see a gun on the ground and just picks it up and starts randomly firing. He's like, gee, golly, this is great. What the fuck, Sulu? That was my, because, like, Kirk was the same thing. He's like, fucking Sulu, you maniac. You just start firing <laughs> off a gun. Like, we thought something was wrong. You know? Emily, you might be excited to know that there was a sequel to this uh, to this episode, but it's only in the animated Star Trek series. It's oh. uh, 
the episode is called Once Upon a Planet, um, and I think we definitely need to watch that episode. Oh, we do. We need to watch some of those. We've talked about it a little bit, but we need to watch some of the TOS animated ones. There's some good stuff in there. When was this series aired? Was it aired in like the 60s? This episode was 1973, and I think it only no, ran in I 1973. Mean the animated series. Yeah, 1973. 1970. Oh my god, it's going to be excruciating. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> I've heard it's pretty good. Um, like it's bearable, and it, some... you know they're shorter. So because if anything, this episode stretched on a little bit too long. But yeah, for sure, it was, it was entertaining. If you park the intelligence at the door. Yeah, you got it. Just like the characters did. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just gotta let the sci-fi go and let the '60s zaniness just wash over you. <laughs> Don't fight it like a riptide. <laughs> Well, that was a fun episode, and I think that's pretty much it for us. So thanks, everyone, for joining us, and until we see you again, keep on trekking.